Uh, this morning, uh, we're continuing our Advent series on hope. Uh, the, the last couple of years have been difficult years, and hope uh, that we had has been dashed. And as a church, as Christians, we, we need to look at where our hope is in, and we need to think about how we can restore hope. So last week we started the series, you can find that on YouTube or on our podcast on iTunes uh, via the website, they'll give you some of the context in terms of hope. Uh, This week we're continuing to look at how we can be people of hope. I want to ask you this question, or you'd ask yourself this question, am I an influencer? Whilst you're thinking on this question, let me tell you about someone in our church who is an influencer. Uh, this person's given over 200 local history talks. Uh, they've uh, volunteered with many community organisations in the last year, has been the Vicar's Warden and member of Parish Council, and just happened in the last week to be honoured in the city of Burundara as one of the volunteers of the year. So Matthew Eddie Leal, uh, one of our members, uh, shared that honour and was celebrate, celebrated uh, this last week. He's, uh, he's an influencer. Someone with his words and with his actions who influences the lives of others. When I talked about being an influencer at 9am, I didn't mention Instagram or anything like that. I didn't even try to explain what an influencer might be. But for those who know, an an influencer is someone that is used by companies uh, to market their products because they're they're beautiful, they're going to the right place, uh, they're good at selling a product and... They're an influencer of others, so marketing companies love to jump on their back and use them as a platform to sell their products, because if this person's wearing this thing or doing this thing, then all their followers, for, for some reason, want to wear that thing or, or do that thing, and so they, they're called social media influencers. But I want you to ask the question of yourself, am I an influencer? Now, you may have a high opinion of yourself or a low opinion of yourself, but I want to say to you that... Each of you are influencers. Now, you may only have influence over one or two. Maybe you have influence over many. Maybe there's a hidden Instagram hero uh, in our midst. Uh, it's, it's not me. I've, I've really not tried Instagram. But you are an influencer. You have influenced other people through the words that you speak and through the actions that you do. You have the ability to influence those people that are around you. Uh, the silence is influence. Words are influence. What we do is influence. How we respond, how others see us is influence. And so we are in this privileged position to consider not whether we do influence, but who do I influence? Who do you influence? Who are the people that, that look to you? Maybe you don't even know some of the people that look to you and take what you do as an authority as to what they should do. Who do you influence? Is it your, your family, your, your colleagues? Uh, I think every person that you meet, you have the opportunity to influence. As a Christian, we're, we're called to influence uh, with our faith as a driver. Who do I influence? And so as we consider who we influence, Whose agenda do I promote? It's so easy as a a human being today to promote our own agenda. For for me to 
argue for what I want our family to do because it's what I really want to do. Uh, For me to try and interest my kids in what I'm interested in because it's easier to promote our own agenda. When we want something, we will talk about it a lot. When we're passionate about something, we'll talk about it a lot. And when we have passion and action or words associated with it, we bring influence to others because people are influenced by what we are passionate about. So whose agenda do I promote? Do I promote my own agenda? Maybe uh, you jump on the back of uh, some other influencer, not just a social media influencer. Maybe there's a particular person that's influential in your life that you find yourself saying a similar sort of thing. Parents with kids or grandkids uh, influences, and you, you often find a little bit later on in life that you're, you're saying something that you heard your parent say. That's because they've had influence over you, and that, that influence has led you to act in that particular way, whether good or bad. And so whose agenda do I promote? Uh, there's really two agendas in this world, the agenda of God and the agenda of the enemy. The, the agenda of God is about love, peace, unity, hope joy. Uh, It's about communities coming together, people coming together, the the gospel of the kingdom going forward that everyone may know the goodness of God and his love. Then there's the other agenda, the agenda of the enemy, the agenda of destruction, disunity, people being crushed, torn down, opposing the agenda of God, which lifts and encourages and builds up and unifies. Whose agenda do I promote? Every word that we say, every action that we do promotes an agenda. You know, the, the sign of maturity as, as a Christian it talks about in Hebrews is not that you know lots of things, it's that you've learned to discern good from evil. That you've learned to discern what is of God, what is good, and what is of the enemy, what is evil. And so in discerning the difference between the two, you you can know whether you're pursuing and promoting the agenda of God or whether you're pursuing and promoting the agenda of evil. So whose agenda do I promote? Every conversation, every moment, every interaction with someone is an opportunity to consider the agenda that we promote and how we use the power that we have as an influence to others. Often I, I think... We think we're pretty powerless as people. But actually each of you is powerful because you have influence over others. Uh, Whether it's in the the shops as you get stroppy, uh, I love that word, stroppy, uh, stroppy with the the person behind the counter, you're a person of influence. I I know someone that said to me once, well, I I wouldn't go to that person's church because I I saw them at the bakery and they, they got impatient with the person in front and they were angry with the person behind the counter. Whether you know you're being watched or you don't know you're being watched, what you say and what you do and how you do it is influential. So how do I share hope with other people? So let's connect this back in. So influence and hope go together. The the person with the most influence in a room is generally the person that carries the most amount of hope, the most amount of passion for something other. You can have influence in a negative way. Say you're a critical person and you gather lots of people that are critical and you influence them to to get on board with your agenda. But the person with hope is always going to win the day, even if you win the argument. So, So how do I share hope with other people? 
I, I, I think uh, we as Christians need to begin to think about how the hope that we have is relevant to the people that we meet, because it, it is relevant. But are people actually looking for what I hope in? It's really easy to uh, think that others aren't interested in what we have. Sometimes that's because we're not finding our hope primarily in our Christian faith. I'm not judging anyone, but it's good to acknowledge where you are, what you find your hope in, what you've hoped in that has not fulfilled uh, the need for hope. But are people actually looking for what I hope in? That's a good question. I think as you look around, there's not lots of people going, I need to be a Christian. So what does does Scripture say? What is the message that we've heard in these three passages? If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to open up the Bible. And we're going to look at each of these three passages and what... Uh, they say to us about hope. Uh, we're going to look a little bit at the agenda of hope that we find in each of them. So, how does how does how did John prepare the way? We, we see in Luke chapter three, so on page eight hundred and thirty-four. I'm wanting you to open up your Bible because I want you to see that there's hope in here, that it's relevant for today, and I want you to see where I'm getting with uh, what I'm sharing with you this morning. And so verse 3 of chapter 3, we're on page 834. If you're at home, I don't know your Bible, but that's okay. Uh, So verse 3, he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the the voice of the wilderness is crying out. So John's agenda uh, was to prepare the way for Jesus, mountains low, valleys high, flat roads for Jesus. He did this Uh, through proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, That is, he was giving them a knowledge of the need for salvation. Uh, He spoke into a context, and and the context he spoke into was the context uh, that uh, Malachi spoke into. So Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, the, the last minor prophet. So just before Matthew is Malachi. Uh, And in Malachi chapter 3, we find out what they're expecting. So so when you look at our society today, it's very different from the society back then. But Malachi 3 points to what they were expecting. We find that on page 778. Uh, Right down at the bottom, we we have Malachi 3. And so we see here that that, uh, God's speaking through the prophet. He's sending a messenger to prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come into his temple. Uh, The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? Uh, For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap, he will be a refiner and a purifier. So there's this picture of the God that is coming that Malachi points to. And so John is preparing a Jewish people for, for the coming of the Messiah. And the Messiah is spoken of as someone that is holy and righteous. As God is coming to dwell in his temple, the refiner is coming. Holiness and righteousness. Who can stand in the presence of, of holiness? No one. No one can stand. And so the issue of sin was high on their agenda. If you wanted to actually be connected to God, you needed to deal 
with sin. That, that was the, the priority. And so the people of the day understood the need to deal with sin as an issue. Anything that might cause you to be unholy before a holy God. Uh, what they didn't understand, and we see in my, Malachi 3, is that uh, the Lord was coming to his temple. The, the Lord would suddenly come to his temple. What they didn't understand is that the temple was going to be people. Uh, us. People gathered. That God was going to be dwelling in us. If they'd understood that, they probably would have been a little bit more fearful. And so John comes and he offers them a way out. He offers them the, the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, that they will be washed clean, that they will be ready. Imagine that uh, you're turning to face someone, but you can't even turn because you're full of such shame as to what you carry. You're, you're suddenly washed clean and you're, you're beginning this process of turning, but who are you turning to? And so flicking back over, maybe you kept your finger in page 833, you're, you're on page 834 now. Uh, sorry, let's flick back to 832. We're, we're in Luke chapter 1. So the last person to prophesy before Zechariah was Malachi. Now Zechariah uh, prophesies uh, the, the coming redemption, uh, what his son uh, John was going to lead in. And so... We know what they're expecting. They're expecting someone with holiness to come. And here we see uh, how John prepared the way. And in this, we see some of the hope that was offered. So it wasn't that they were uh, turning from their sin. They were turning from the brokenness of this world uh, to the temple, to, to go and worship at the temple. They were actually being given the opportunity to turn from brokenness, to turn to God. And so maybe some of the difference uh, of what is offered, uh, the, the difference of the message that we give compared to the message of John, John was saying a term from sin. They, they understood it. Uh, the, when I talked about sharing the gospel a few weeks ago, the, the phrase I, I used was turning from brokenness. Uh, it's the first point of talking to people uh, is, is brokenness. The, the language that our world understands is brokenness, brokenness around us, brokenness in us. So we're turning from brokenness to God, and well, how, does, how does he offer us hope? What is there in here that people in the world want to hear about? Do I need, I'm sure, you know, like friends that you know are not saying, I need salvation from my sins. I'm pretty sure you, you would not find a single non-Christian that's asking how do I get salvation from my sins? It's not just a language issue. It's just not a question that they're, they're asking. So looking at Luke 1, 67, we see uh, a number of things in this passage, and I'll put them up on the screen for you. A number of things in this passage that Zechariah prophesies that is going to be offered to the people of God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for his verse 68, looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. I don't know if you've uh, looked at stories related to our now ex-cricket captain. Is he redeemable? Is there redemption for him? Can he come back and play professional cricket? Redemption is a topic that, that our culture understands. The need for redemption is a topic our culture understands. I've done this wrong. Is it possible for me to be redeemed? 
my business has been crushed by COVID. Is redemption possible? I've made some bad decisions. My relationships are falling apart. Is redemption possible? That's hope that we have to offer that uh, in Jesus, redemption is possible. For those who follow him, he leads us on a path of redemption. There is hope for those that we know. Uh, The next thing uh, we see is there's rescue from enemies. Verse 71, they will be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Most people aren't thinking about enemies so much in in the, the way that they were thinking about enemies. They were thinking of oppressing nations surrounding them. But most of us will know one person that doesn't like us. Maybe they don't hate us, but we know at least one person that maybe scowls at us or or doesn't like us. Maybe you feel that you're not liked by many. Uh, Maybe you you feel uh, oppressed by those that are around you. There's hope. There's hope of rescue for those who follow Jesus that those are around you, you will be rescued from them. And that the hope that we're offered in Jesus is, is even better than a, than a hope of just being saved from your enemies. It's that you're in eternity, your enemies can't touch you. As, you're, as Phil said, we're, we're seated with Christ in heaven. Uh, the, the one who matters, we already know what he says about us. And so we can be saved from our enemies, not only now, but in eternity. And in eternity, our place is secure This life is like this much. Eternity is like this much in comparison. The the experience of life now is nothing compared to the experience of life in the future. And so we're guaranteed a future in Jesus free from enemies. I I wonder if uh, you understand the word mercy. So mercy promised to our ancestors is, is now shown the mercy promised to our ancestors. Mercy is about something that given to you that you don't actually deserve. So you've done something wrong, something given to you that you don't deserve. The, the people of Jesus' day understood that they'd, they deserved to be where they were. They'd, reached, uh, they'd reaped the consequences of their actions. What we're offered here is hope that uh, we won't always uh, receive the just consequences of our actions, that there's mercy, there's hope for mercy uh, for those who follow Jesus, that instead of uh, getting what we deserve, we get what he chooses to promise to us. And so when they think about promises fulfilled, it's that they will be a great people, no longer despised by other nations, that they would uh, have a place, they would have somewhere to uh, live and grow and build families and generations, and that they would live in blessing, that life would be abundant for them. And so we have that hope continued, that the God who we're now invited to follow offers us uh, to make us a people, give us a sense of identity and security, uh, give us a place, a roof over our head, Uh, that we would have provision, and that we would experience blessing not only in the life to come, but in this life. For those who follow him, there there is hope of mercy, that you don't get just what you deserve in this life. You get what God in his grace desires to give you. 
knowledge. Uh, so skimming down a little bit further, uh, that verse 77, to give a knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. As I said before, people aren't asking the question, how do I get saved by my sin? But when we start talking about the hope of the God who we follow, and we we start sharing with them about the, the hope that is found in him and what is offered to them, the Holy Spirit, his role is to convict of sin. And we walk with people. We, we talk about the need for holiness before God, but we talk about how salvation through Jesus and the Holy Spirit works in people to make them more like Jesus. It's not our job to start in this place of judgment and go, you're a sinful person, you need to repent of your sin and you need to turn to God in order to be saved. Most people hear that message and go, well, uh, sure. I'm going to move on. I'm going to listen to someone else because I don't like the influence you're bringing. But when you speak of these kinds of hopes that I've been talking about and say, well, the the way to be closer to God is that he deals with what separates us. And in his dealing with what separates us, that is sin that gets in the way, he's going to make you more holy. And that's a good thing because life is going to go better as he deals with sin. And that your past is no longer going to define your future as you find faith in him. It's, the, it's the, the same thing expressed in different ways with different order in a way that's winsome and re- receivable by people. Uh, continuing a little bit further down, uh, so we, we see by the tender mercy of God, uh, dawn from on high will break upon us uh, to give light uh, to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. That is, the, the sun comes. Do you like that dawn? The, the sun comes. <laughs> to bring light. To bring light into darkness. I, I wonder if you know anyone that's experienced uh, darkness. These last couple of years, I, I know the rates of depression and anxiety have raised. Uh, the, the calls to suicide hotlines, even if suicides haven't risen as much as we expected, uh, the, the calls are there. There's darkness. People need light. There's a lot of people around us that need the hope that we have, that need Jesus, the the light of the world, to come into their darkness. A lot of us are facing these conversations around death far more than we have actually had to face in years gone by. As a result, we, we can speak of the one that offers hope to those who are in darkness and in the shadow of death. There's a lot of people that are fearful. We've been sold a narrative of fear. We've lived under a strong narrative of fear. It's really difficult to step out of that unless you're given a different way of living. We have a way of hope in Jesus that we don't need to be fearful of our future because we can trust in him. And so we have hope to offer people. Uh, the, the, the final uh, point in verse 79 is that Uh, We have hope uh, that God uh, in Jesus will guide our feet into the way of peace. When you think of all these things, uh, this is one of the primary things that I think we as Christians are called to carry. When Jesus sends out the disciples, he sends them and says, go to the house and bring uh, the peace of the kingdom to that place. And if 
they don't receive you, uh, dust your feet off and continue on. Your peace is welcome elsewhere. What we primarily bring as Christians is the peace of God, that you will be at peace with God. Uh, Romans 5 speaks of how uh, our, through the salvation of Jesus, we have peace with God. There's, there's no longer a need to, to prove yourself. There's no longer a need to, to wrestle and uh, be something or someone. We have peace within ourselves. We're invited to a place of peace, reconciliation, forgiveness uh, with God and with others. Uh, peace is something we're called to carry. But peace is more than something we just talk about. You see, as Christians, we can talk a lot about what we are given and we can talk a lot about what we believe. But how do we see uh, what we believe uh, put into action? Uh, When we think of uh, peace, I'm I'm reminded of this testimony uh, of a, a journey that I had with a friend. Uh, this particular friend was seeking asylum in Australia. He'd become a Christian. Uh, whilst he was out here, he was, he was from Iran. He was incredibly fearful of being sent back to Iran. His visa was expiring. He'd gone through his first interview, and as a new Christian, uh, the interviewer had completely deconstructed his faith and said, I don't think you're really a Christian. And this is why, this is why, and this is why. Uh, <laughs> and he'd had to go through this process of appeal. His anxiety was off the charts and he had to go to appeal and present himself uh, to the person on the, on the panel in such a way that they were convinced that his Christian faith was genuine and that he would be offered asylum in Australia. Now, a friend and I thought, well, we're, we're going to pray with this guy. His, his, his anxiety is, is so strong. We're not, we're not even sure that he's going to be able to sit in this appeal he would sweat and uh, he was, you know, there's a shaking that happens when you're anxious and you're fearful. And so I sat there and I prayed with this other guy for this guy that was anxious and I started feeling really sleepy. And after a little while of feeling really sleepy, I said, because I'm used to when I pray for people, I expect God to work and to move. And as I'm sitting there and I'm praying for, for the guy, I thought, I'll ask him how, how he's feeling. How, how are you going? He says, I've never felt this peaceful. I've never actually felt this kind of peace. And now I finally dropped from me what, what God was doing in that moment. He was setting a new baseline for this guy to understand the kind of peace that is offered for those who are in Jesus. Like Jesus speaks about a peace that passes all understanding, but that's actually something that's real. That's something that's offered. That's something that's deeper than any peace the world can offer. And so in that moment, he got a new baseline of peace such that when, we, when he went to that appeal, he was still a little bit nervous and anxious because that was natural, but he was able to step back into this place of what God had offered him, peace that passes all understanding. And he, the good news is he, his appeal uh, was granted. He is now a citizen of Australia and he's continuing on in his Christian faith and, and that's really encouraging and I share that testimony with you because the hope that we speak of is not just a belief that's spoken of but a belief that transcends understanding and so when you pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, how is it in heaven And how is God going to action that on earth? 
And when you actually have something real and tangible, you're influential. As you build your own testimony of God at work in your life, through following him and trusting him and hoping in him, you have testimony to share. That's influential. When I just speak truth to people, people can digest truth and go, that's a good point. When I speak testimony to people of how God is at work in my life, in work, in the life of others, that is hope. That brings influence. So, so what do I, we influence with? One of the primary things we influence with is the testimony of faith that we have. We speak of truth, but we also speak of how truth is real to us. How the word is true, but how it is living and active and able to change my life. And I have hope that it can change yours too. The question that people are asking today is not, is it true, but is it real? Is it livable? So the way we present, the way we influence is we talk about the reality of how it affects our life and we continue to faithfully live it out. So how do we influence? We influence with our words. We influence with our actions. We influence through our prayer as we pray uh, for God to work and move and change and believe that he's going to answer our prayer and do uh, what uh, we're, we're praying for. Not always, not always in the time or the way or how we expect, but as we're praying to him, we need to be open to see what he's doing. Kind of like as I was praying and feeling sleepy and thought God was doing nothing, nothing and as I opened my eyes and I asked and said, what's God doing in you? The guy was able to say, this, and it's amazing. <laughs> so you may think you're insignificant. You may think you've got nothing to share, but you're an influencer. So the question is not, am I an influencer? But the question is, who with and with what will I influence the world in which I live? Let me pray. Our Father, you've called us to this great hope that we find in Jesus. This hope is real, it's life-giving, it's life-changing. Lord, we may have only had a taste of the hope that is offered. We may not have ever really had a a taste of, of you moving and changing our lives. But we come to you and we we pray on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Lord, for more. Wherever we've experienced some, we pray for more. That you'll build ongoing testimony in each of our lives. Lord, forgive us for where we've used our influence to cause disunity. Uh, Forgive us for, for where we've used our influence to bring others down. Lord, help us to be a people of hope. Help us to be a people that partner in your building of the kingdom. Help us to be a people that discern what you're up to and bold in partnering with what you're doing in this world. In each of our lives, Lord, in this season, we pray that you would restore hope to us, that we would come to you with a childlike faith, 
and grow in that relationship that we have with you. That from that place of knowing you, we will bring a hope to the world and we would see the, the people, the peoples uh, the, that we have around us changed uh, by the hope that we bring. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.